0: Satya has clearly, cleverly avoided that trap of offering shady evidence. He has resorted to the Trump strategy of offering no evidence at all. Yeah.
1: Hey, and welcome to Business Beyond Usual. My name is Ramu Anomaly, and I'm back. Thanks to Ekta for filling in for me while I was working on math. I hope you listened to that last episode. I thought it was a great window into what we all go through for seven weeks during our first year as MBA students. I loved hearing what my classmates have been up to. Myself, I've been working on Vail Resorts on a marketing growth strategy assessment. Vail, they sell the experience of a lifetime. They own a large share of the mountains out west, including and Park City. They've also added some mountains here in the Midwest and recently added Whistler Blackcomb to their portfolio. My time on MAP has been challenging at times, exciting at times, but all through it's been fun, a large part thanks to my team. Shout out to Map 17 We at times challenge each other, but are always able to enjoy each other's company in and outside of MAP. But in this episode, I'm excited to bring you an event called The Great Debate, where students take on Ross professors in a formal debate on important issues in today's business world. The issue at hand in this debate is whether U.S. companies should voluntarily offer paid family leave for parents. Paid time off for parents is mandatory in many countries, but not in the U.S. Several states, like California, have enacted separate paid leave policies, and support for a federal-level paid-leave law has been gaining traction. But questions remain, and opposition to a national policy is also strong. In this event, students Satya and Lizzie will argue that U.S. companies should offer paid family leave. And Ross professor Anil Karnani will argue that this is not an economically viable policy. There will be three rounds of debate, including opening statements, cross-examinations, and rebuttals. And then we'll hear the results of the audience vote and the announcement of the winner. So let's not delay anymore. Here's Satya to get things started. All right, thank you. OK. Uh, so first of all, I just want to
2: say thank you to Sandy for organizing. Um, he's been uh, on this from the beginning, trying to recruit faculty, students, vetting topics, etc. cetera. Um, so I just want to thank him. Uh, also, Professor Karnati for taking time out of his schedule to debate us. And to all of you for joining what we expect will truly be a great debate. Our position is that U.S companies should offer nine months of paid family leave for recent parents. We wanted to spell with the notion up front that this is just one more benefit. At different times in our history, everything from paid sick days to matching 401k contributions were just one more benefit. But companies adapted because sickness and retirement were utterly predictable issues that their workforces faced. However, today, when couples predictably, again, have kids, as humans often seem to want to do from time to time, American businesses struggle to respond to a part of life that's as foreseeable as night turning into day. In our view, the benefits of paid leave far outweigh the costs. And the key benefits are as follows. First, paid leave around the world has driven a documented increase in workforce retention. As a simple example, Google noticed in 2011 that new mothers left the company at twice the rate of uh, the average employee. After increasing paid leave by just six weeks and going from partial to full pay, they saw that difference substantially vanish. Laszlo Bach, head of HR at the time, said the cost of having a mom out of the office for a couple of months was more of an offset by the value of retaining her expertise and avoiding the cost of finding and training a new hire. And I really want you guys to focus on that because it'll be a recurring theme today. Um, So needless to say, this same kind of logic applies to paternal leave. And we're focused uh, on family leave, which includes both here. Our second rationale is that the rest of the world, particularly in Europe, by and large, has paid family leave already mandated by federal policy. So I just want you guys to take a moment and think about what Swaziland, Lesotho, Papua New Guinea, and the USA have in common seeing some blank faces, I don't blame you guys, Uh, out of 196 countries in the world, they're the only four without paid family leave policies. That means that even bastions of human rights like North Korea and Somalia nevertheless have paid family leave. That was a put down. Um, So, given global competition for talent, uh, implementing paid family leave is a matter of competitive parity, not a perk or a social justice experiment, or we wouldn't be here arguing this point. Uh, The specific reason that paid family leave works is that it improves firms' ability to cultivate human capital across the entire employee life cycle from attracting talent to their productivity to retaining them over time. Finally, Paid leave levels the playing field for women to take on leadership roles commensurate with their talent, thereby helping to diversify corporate leadership, which has been shown by a robust body of research to increase shareholder value. At the end of the day, companies and the individuals that run them have to make value judgments that aren't always black and white. We're not saying that there aren't some reasonable arguments that Professor Carnani will surely make against paid family leave, but we think, with the support of research, that the preponderance of evidence on global competition, employer retention, and women in leadership points decisively towards the voluntary adoption of paid family leave policies by American companies. Game on, and let the best team win. Mm-hmm.
3: Okay, Professor Karnani, no. uh, you have eight minutes for your opening statement.
0: That's good, thank you. I'm delighted to be here, and thank you for coming. Their reputation goes far and wide, Satya and Lizzie's. Because of that, no other faculty would agree to do this debate. um, But I'm one of those fools who goes where angels fear to tread. Um, (laughs) President Obama, in one of his State of the Union addresses, advocated family leave. Let me read your quote from him. So, it's time we stop treating childcare as a side issue or as a women's issue and treat it like a national economic priority that it is. Yeah. And subsequent to that, President Obama passed executive orders so that all federal employees now are eligible for six weeks of paid family leave. Yeah. As a consequence of that, I'm sure you've noticed the efficiency of the government has gone up dramatically after that. And uh, of course, that's why people wanted. The Democrats back again, yeah. And and four states have actually now mandated family leave in the US, Uh, California, New York, New Jersey, and Rhode Island. And it's pure coincidence that all four blue states, of course, yeah. And, uh, And several more are contemplating this, yeah. But anyway, you know, if. If paid family leave is such a great idea and good for society, well, then the government should mandate it, of course, right? So we're not debating whether the government should mandate this or not. What we are debating now is whether companies should voluntarily offer paid leave to employees or not. I think we need to distinguish between two very different scenarios here. Scenario one is that paid family leave reduces the firm's profits because the cost of Paid family leave exceeds the benefits that Satya mentioned, and in that case, the companies could still do this voluntarily because they're socially responsible. That's scenario one. Scenario two is that companies will actually benefit financially by offering paid family leave for exactly the reasons that he gave, and therefore the companies will do it out of self interest, not social responsibility. And I think we shouldn't conflate these two scenarios together. If it is not profitable, I think companies shouldn't do it. Yeah, that's straightforward. Companies have a fiduciary responsibility to their shareholders to increase profits. They shouldn't be going around giving leave like this if it doesn't make enough positive benefits. Plus, if they did it in a competitive arena, they would lose out to the companies that don't do it obviously, so the managers don't have that much discretion in given competition. And plus it's undemocratic in the sense that If the managers did that, and it's not profitable, then they're imposing a tax, a tax on shareholders or on customers or somebody else. And as unelected officials, they have no reason to impose a tax on anybody. So arguing for this on social responsibility grounds is a very weak argument. And clearly Satya didn't fall into that trap. And uh, he argued that this is actually beneficial for the company to do it. And there are obvious reasons why it is beneficial. Employee retention goes up, loyalty goes up, motivation goes up, and so on. But now then ask, how many companies in the U.S. actually offer paid family leave voluntarily? And the answer is less than 10%. And of those 10%, less than 10% that do offer paid family leave voluntarily, none of them offers nine months leave yeah. Uh, they are more in the range of four to six weeks, not nine months. And second, many of them offer paid family leave only to women, not to the fathers. It's a sexist world, by the way. And And so why don't companies do this if it's such a great idea? And uh, maybe it's not such a great idea then, isn't it? So you all talked about efficient markets. One of the fundamental principles of an efficient market, is that there are no unexploited profitable opportunities for long. Because markets are efficient, the, the vacuum gets filled, and companies go where there are profits to be made. So if this is such a great idea, but companies are not doing it, well, you should worry about what's going on here, you're right? I'm sure you know this old joke about uh, an economist and a normal person, you know, economists are not normal people, right? So an economist and a normal person are walking along the road, and the normal person spies a $20 bill lying on the sidewalk and say, hey, there's a $20 bill there. And the economist says, no, no, don't worry, it's a fake. Because if it was real, somebody would have picked it up by now, yeah. There are no $20 bills lying around here. Yeah. And if this is such a great idea, but companies are not doing it, no, you should be concerned about it. Well, President Obama commissioned his Council of Economic advisors to look into the economics of paid family leave. And they did, of course. So let me read you a quote from them. This is a Council of Economic Advisers in the previous administration. It says, there is growing evidence that policies that support working families can benefit families without, without imposing a cost on business. So this is sort of the win-win solution that companies will benefit from this. But companies are not doing it because in an efficient market, you can't do it. So, How does the Council of Economic Advisors, which clearly knows economics, figure this out? How do they deal with this? So let me read you another quote. The Council of Economic Advisors argues that this is happening, meaning profitable opportunity that is going unexploited, is because managers are not that competent and lack a full understanding of the long-run benefits of paid family leave. Must make you wonder why this is such a secret that most managers don't know about here, right? So how does the Council of Economic Advisors support this argument? They cite one study that is based on managers of Indian textile firms that shows that managers are actually not that aware of modern practices. Well, of course, they picked the Indian textile firms because India is famous for their managerial competence and it's not surprising that so many Indian firms dominate the world scene. And uh, (laughs) so uh, these Indian managers are not so good. The American managers must be like that and therefore that explains this paradox of profitable opportunity that is going unexploited. So what's the solution to this? Well, this is again the Council of Economic Advisors. Therefore, there is considerable scope for the government to take a leadership role in spreading information about best management practices here. Now, why didn't I think of that here? Rather than doing business cases, we should be looking at the government to see what the best management practices are here, right? Well, what you see is that the Obama administration fell into the trap of offering rather shady evidence for their position of, on paid family leave. Satya is clearly Cleverly avoided that trap of offering shady evidence. Uh, he has resorted to the Trump strategy of offering no evidence at all. And, uh... All right, taking off the kit, He's going to get it. Thank you. <laughs>
4: I would like to point out that as of last year, there are two employers in the U.S. that offer a full year. So there are, in fact, employers that do offer more than nine months. One is Netflix and one is the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. So perhaps for purposes of this debate, it's slightly outside the scope. Um, What we're wondering and what I think we'd like to dig into first uh, is discussing the fact that 10 percent, only 10 percent of U.S. companies currently offer paid family leave. Do you think that that is because they truly don't see the value, or they're putting those funds into some other benefit?
0: Well, they're certainly offering benefits to their employees, and I think the ideal would be that rather than a company deciding what benefits to offer to employees, it should be like, this is how much we will spend on it, and you can decide whether you wanna take the benefits as health insurance, or as paid vacation, or as some other perk. But let the employees decide what it is rather than the company deciding that we're going to give you nine months of paid family leave. And this would certainly be a very large benefit compared to anything else. Yeah.
2: We'll we'll, we'll come back to that yeah. in a minute. Um, so, I'd like, I'd like to rebut the notion here that, you know, I was taking the Trump approach with very little... Um, on, on the contrary, now that we've got the kid gloves off, um, we, can, we can get right to the point here. Uh, it's you know, it's, it's the, of the faculty and the student teams, it was not the student team that chose to cite one study. So uh, one study that he cited by the Obama administration, by the CEA, had some errors which he ably pointed out. Um, my question is, Uh, You know, how would you respond to, you know, I'll cite one specific study here by uh, the Center for Economic and Policy Research, a fairly nonpartisan outlet, um, that looked at 10 years of California data, you cited them as one of the states that uh, has paid family leave, and found no negative impact on profitability, productivity, turnover, or morale as well as a robust body of research in Europe that's found, uh, particularly in the Scandinavian countries, that their paid family leave policies have had a negligible effect on economic growth, mm-hmm. employment, etc.
0: Yeah, that's, that, that is true, what you said in the study. So I think there's some explanations for that. The first is in California, which does have mandated paid family leave. The companies don't pay for it. It's through a tax on employees yeah. So it's a tax on employees, a payroll tax that is used to fund the insurance program that then pays for it. So it's not surprising that the company is not losing out because somebody else is paying for it, the employees. But they get the benefits, which are the motivation, retention, and so on. Yeah. And the st- same thing happens in Europe. Yeah, that the paid leave program is from the government. Yeah, it's a government benefit. Yeah. But the second is, I think there is a big difference in places like California or Sweden for that matter, is that when it's a government law, all the companies are doing it, so you're not losing out in competition. But in a competitive arena, if only one company offers it and your competitor doesn't, well then you will lose out to the competition, and that's the sort of the classic tragedy of the commons problem, that when something is in the interest of society, then the government should mandate it, not companies do it voluntarily.
4: To follow up on that, then, uh, the implication that I hear here is that companies that do offer it versus companies that don't, the companies that do have a competitive advantage.
0: Well, they don't have a competitive advantage because the cost is so high. If the cost of offering nine months paid leave was low, then they would have a competitive advantage because they do benefit in terms of employee retention and motivation. But paying for nine months is a lot. So think of what does, So the question to ask is how much does it cost a company to train and replace a mother or a father who decides to go have kids and not have a job or fire him? And the typical cost of recruiting and training an employee is about two months of their salary. But why give him nine months to so save two months of salary somewhere else? Yeah.
4: To perhaps to add to that another number considering turnover costs, because we want to be fact-based here, the Center for American Progress found that turnover costs are 20% of an employee's salary.
0: Right. So that's about two months. Uh, and, but you don't want to spend nine months of salary to save two months of costs here.
4: This is not taking into consideration the benefits of the retention. So, by the continuity of having the employee stay, this is financial cost right. of going through the activity. Yeah. Now, unfortunately, that's a little hard to quantify. Right. But as Satya mentioned, Google saw results, negligible cost results, and very positive benefit results in having retention. Yeah.
0: Okay, but good questions. Yeah. Good. <laughs> <laughs> One more. All right, uh, five, five
3: minutes are up. Uh, Professor Karnani, you have five minutes yeah. to ask questions of the student.
0: So the main other countries that you cite that have it is, of course, Europe. And especially Northern Europe has paid family leave. But I don't, I don't think we want to be like Europe. Europe has had no job growth, has got <laughs> zero economic growth. Why would you want to be like Europe? And uh, <laughs> let alone so all the other countries that... Uh, I mean, uh, so I
2: think there's, a, there's multiple ways to, uh, to answer that. Uh, and I, I think one point to clarify up front is that, you know, my specific point was that there were 192 countries out of 196, not just Europe. So unless you think that, you know, all, all 192 of them are mistaken, uh, I'd push back on that part of it. Um, The second element is, uh, you know, I don't don't know that the U.S. is necessary, I don't know that Europe is necessarily flailing because of their paid family leave laws or because of their benefits so much as because of the Eurozone, which is, uh, you know, the the difference between their monetary and fiscal coordination is something the U.S. doesn't have to deal with. Mm -hmm. So I think it's kind of a straw man that you batted down there, Mm -hmm. and we can move on to the next question.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's good. Uh But so, it's a judgment call you agree on how much is the benefit of employee motivation and retention. How, how do you come to the judgment that it is worth nine months of paid leave to do that, yeah? And if it's some parents doing it, then it's 18 months between the two of them that they're getting off or having one child here. Yeah.
4: So, to consider the benefit <clears throat> of retention, Let's consider briefly the companies in the U.S. that are leading the way in this arena. So, ignoring the Europe question for a second, and we'll focus within the U.S. on the companies that are doing this. They tend to be primarily from industries that have high human capital, research, search, and retention costs. We're looking at finance, uh, technology, management consulting, everyone's favorite, and law. And so, the be- clearly, there is a benefit to them in outdoing the competition in retaining these people, presumably there is also a benefit in retention. They have clearly made the judgment call that this benefit is worth it to them by implementing mm-hmm. these policies and publicizing, I would add. Well, I'd also like to add a quick
2: point to that. Uh, to, that's most of where I would have gone as well. Um, in that uh, relative to other, relative to the opportunity cost of what they could do with this networking capital they'll have to keep to pay um, family leave, uh, this is a relatively low cost, high benefit item in the mm-hmm. sense that uh, employer, employees won't all necessarily have kids at the same time. They may not have them in all years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the cost is, is quite low um, depending on the employee in question. So it's averaging right. out over time over
0: different employees mm-hmm. and maybe more, That's quite true. more than two months. That's true. But so it's interesting that the only companies that offer paid family leave on any significant scale. I
4: didn't say only, I
0: said leaders. leaders. There tend to be tech companies in the U.S., in Silicon Valley, consulting, Wall Street. Now, I think first is they do actually have a bigger problem with employee retention. There's more scarcity of talent there. But I don't think that applies to blue-collar workers and lots of other companies, and this discussion is about moving on a large scale, not just on the small scale. But the second, I think, issue is it's hard to disentangle effects. I think it's a plausible argument that companies like Netflix offer these benefits not because it's profitable. It's because Netflix is so absurdly profitable it is wasting some money on employees and it's okay. It's the same reason that Google gives you wonderful food and so on. It's, I don't think it improves employee retention, but they've spent too much money on food. Apple is building an absurdly expensive headquarter building. This is managers wasting shareholders' money and... But it's little in the scheme of things, yeah, and... uh...
4: I think what you're speaking to is that uh, companies see uh, employees wanting to see some kind of company firm awareness of their needs and wants as employees, however the company chooses to arrange it. Um, So you're right, perhaps we can't disentangle the effects, but if this is the companies responding to expectations or needs by their employees, why not include this benefit if, right. as Satya has pointed out, the costs are relatively low and the benefits are relatively great?
0: And by the same logic that these companies are doing it, therefore it must be a good idea for them, I agree. Then the reason why McDonald's doesn't do it is because they realize that it's not that profitable it's very easy to find a replacement worker that is not much value to retention and so on. And the bulk of America is not Netflix. The bulk of America is GM or, Net, or uh, McDonald's. Yeah. I think there's another interesting question here that I came across, which is that the companies that do offer paid family leave, the workers who benefit are disproportionately sort of white, male, affluent. Uh, The minorities are worse off in here. And we'll get even more inequality if we keep going down this road here. All right. So what do you think? We've had two rounds of debate. Feeling good?
3: (laughs) Ready for more? the final round is six minutes for each team. Uh, each team will have a chance to rebut uh, after, the, um, after the cross-examination section uh, and, and provide some, uh, some concluding thoughts and some closing arguments. So we'll begin uh, with six minutes for the negative side. Um, so Professor Karnani, uh, take it away.
0: So In the popular business literature that all of you read, there is sort of a Panglossian view. You know, Pangloss is this character in Voltaire about who's absurdly optimistic. There's a Panglossian view that everything is just sort of synergistic, win-win solutions, works out great. It's like quality is free. Uh? If quality was really free, we'd all be driving Bentleys or something, or uh, being green is profitable. If that was true, we would have no environmental problems at all, yeah. And of course our local version of that is positive business, whatever that means. Yeah? And, uh... <laughs> <laughs> so we seem to have this view that so we can all have win-win solutions, companies better off, society's better off, employees are better off, kids are better off, let's just give them more leave. Yeah, right? Well by this logic, if giving nine months leave is good. Why not give them 18 months? Why not nine years? Yeah, you know, let's, let's give them be more liberal, yeah. Okay. It'll be even better, yeah, right? Plus, I wonder how they came up with nine months anyway, to start with. I think they are laboring under the misconception. By the way, do you notice a subtle pun on laboring under the misconception? <laughs> uh, All right, think <laughs> uh, <laughs> babies are made in nine months but it takes a lot longer than to raise the babies. Yeah? Why are we giving nine months leave only then, longer then, yeah? No. Plus why are we giving nine months to the father? He plays a much smaller role in terms of time anyway, yeah? and, uh That's kind of serious. Or if you give him nine months leave, he's gonna goof off anyway, yeah? So why give him nine months leave for parental leave, yeah? Or where do we stop with this? Okay, so we're gonna give nine months leave to parents. Well, we should give leave to singles so that they can find a spouse to become parents, isn't it? And, uh, 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 so we should have a leave program for singles, yeah, right? Or maybe for recently divorced people so they can get remarried and have more kids. Uh, or for people who have elderly parents or grandparents or elderly uncles and aunts and on and on. I mean, everybody should get more leave, yeah, right? Uh, and we'll all be better off, yeah, it seems, yeah. Like gradations. Well, based on this, uh, but it's not so far out, by the way. So, as uh, you pointed out, that there are these companies like Netflix that are very liberal benefits. So, some companies have bought into my logic that everybody deserves more leave. So, there are a few companies now that have unlimited vacation policy for their employees, all their employees. They tend to be clustered more in the Silicon Valley. Uh, But even GE had an announcement last year. That a small fraction of their employees now have unlimited vacation policy, about 30,000 of their employees here. Yeah. And it's not that uncommon among tech companies here. Yeah. Like, for example, my son works at a software company in Silicon Valley, and his company has unlimited vacation policy. But you should not believe that unlimited vacation policy implies that actually people take unlimited vacations here, yeah, right? So, how do they control it? Through peer pressure and uh, case-by-case decisions, people actually don't take unlimited leave here. So when I ask my son to come visit, he always says, no, he's busy. And now partly because he doesn't want to come visit me, of course, but but partly that there is peer pressure that you don't want to take that much leave. And uh, so it was interesting, about a year or two ago, Chicago Tribune, the media company, announced unlimited vacation policy. And a week later they retracted the policy because the employees objected to having unlimited vacation (laughs) time, yeah. Because unlimited vacation actually is not unlimited, yeah. And so even when there's nine months vacation, a lot of people don't take nine months, yeah, because again, there is peer pressure. And in fact, employees would like well-defined benefits that they actually do utilize, yeah, rather than offering them more and more, yeah, right? And I think the logic is pretty straightforward that If this was such a good idea, companies would be doing it. We've got to draw lines. It has to be profitable to do it. And we've got to figure out what the benefits are. Mm -hmm. And for a lot of employees, the cost of recruiting, retention, motivation are just not that high. And that's why it's unlikely that we're going to go towards such liberal benefits anytime soon. And nor should we. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you.
4: Thank you to Professor Karnani for giving us a lot to think about. Certainly, I have learned a lot by researching for this debate, and so I hope that you guys have learned something by being here. Somehow, we've transmitted a little bit of our information to you. I'd also like to thank him for ending on this question of uh, unlimited vacation policy and people not taking it. I think that speaks to the question here of nine months. People aren't going to take the full nine months for the same reasons they don't take the full unlimited vacation. I didn't expect that, but thank you. To uh, revisit the closing that Karnani gave us, I was hearing a lot of uh, slippery slope and straw man arguments about disaster. The one disaster I'd like to speak to is the question of whether paid leave increases inequality. It's an interesting question. I think you know, seeing it as broad scale increasing inequality, there are many angles to come at that. I think what's illustrative is to imagine for a moment you're in a situation where you have to choose between getting paid or taking care of your newborn child. It's not hard to imagine because that is our current reality. In that sense, any incremental increase in paid leave will benefit many, many American parents because currently that's the choice they have to make. (laughs) I think in closing, I would just like to reiterate that we are in favor of this not only because many people will benefit from it, but because it is profitable for firms. As a result, we think that companies should voluntarily choose to provide paid leave, and by doing it voluntarily, they also have the freedom to choose how they implement it, which I think would address a number of the small-scale or tactical concerns that Professor Karnani raised. So again, thank you. Thank you, Professor Karnani. Thank you to all of you. Thank you to Sandy for uh, managing us and herding cats. And uh, may the best team win. <laughs>
3: nice
1: job. Okay.
3: Thank you. Yep. All right. So you've, you've heard the arguments, uh, you've heard the cross examinations, you've he- heard the final closing statements. Um, here are the criteria for judging the winners. Um, there are basically three criteria. Uh, uh, which team better proved its position um, based, on, uh, based on their analysis? Which team uh, better used and explained evidence to support their ideas? Um, think specifically about, uh, about studies, about facts, figures, um, uh, a- as well as just sound logic. <clears throat> And then, finally, uh, which team better analyze the weaknesses in the other team's arguments? I'll give you a, a second to kind of think it over. And it looks like the faculty
0: oh, take it this one. year. <laughs> 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 you're, the tough, you're the tougher side. <laughs>
1: Thanks to the organizers, the student debaters, and Professor Karnani for putting on a great event and allowing us to share with you. And thanks to you for listening. Please be sure to subscribe to Business Beyond Usual on iTunes and leave us a review. And send us a note. Let us know what you'd like to hear in future episodes. We'd love to hear from you. You can reach us at bbupod at umich.edu. Until next time, I'm Rami Anamale, and this is Business Beyond Usual.